0: Our missionaries pray for TFF and pray for our time in the Word,
1: Father. I thank you, God, for those that you are providing for to uh, just be in full time supported service. God, to you, I pray, Father, that you would, um, Lord, that you would provide for every need that they have. God, that you would raise up new supporters for them, Lord, that they would not be in lack financially. God. I'm I pray, Father, as they um, raise their families, Lord, that you would encourage them, that they would raise their children in the fear and the admonition of you, God. I pray for any upcoming trips, projects, um, just things that, ministry opportunities that you've given each one of them, God. Each family you've equipped uniquely, Lord. So I pray, God, that the seed, Father, that they are sowing, I pray that there would be an incredible harvest, God. So for Brian and Jennifer and Joe and Kejo and Michael and Megan and Jim and his wife and Peter and Molly and Mark and Kelly and for Rebecca and this upcoming trip, God, I pray that you would make a way that you would remove every hindrance, Lord. Father, and I just pray for those who will hear of your name, Father, that they would fall on their feet, they would come to know you, Lord. I thank you for our fellowship, Lord. I thank you, Father, for just the safe haven that it is, Father, that you have given us each other. As family, Lord, to walk this life out together, God. And I pray, God, that as the the days continue to grow darker, Father, that our roots would grow down deep. Father, you would add to our numbers those that are being saved, Father, that we would not cower down to this world, God, that we would be iron that sharpens iron, Lord. I pray, Father, if there's any that walk in these doors today that don't know you as Lord and Savior, Father, that today would be the day of their salvation, God. I pray that uh, Father, I thank you for this opportunity that we have to just come together, Lord, to, uh, Father, worship in your name, to be encouraged by your word, to be open to the Holy Spirit, to hear from Father our pastor, Lord. I pray that you would strengthen him, God, for all that you have for him to bring today, God. I pray that as we unite together, that we would have a, a one heart and one mind, Father, and that we, our whole purpose, Father, would be to make your name famous to glorify you, to be a reflection of you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Jesus. Your mercies are new every morning, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you first loved us. Father, it's your loving kindness that brings us to repentance. Father, we thank you that you've seen us through this week, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father, that you've called us to fix our eyes upon you, the author and the finisher of our faith. You are the great I am. come to set the captives free. Oh, how I pray, oh God, that we would, Lord, celebrate the freedom that we have in Christ. Lord, that we would know our identity in Christ. That if we're truly born again, we are a new creation. All has been made new. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you, God, that you came to set the captives free. That you so loved the world. That you gave your one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The good news, the gospel, Jesus. Oh, how our world needs Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have engrafted us Into your family, for those who are in Christ. And that, Father, we have been adopted, Lord Jesus, and that we have been given the right to call you Abba, to call you Daddy. And for those among us, or those who may be listening at another time, Lord, who are not in Christ, who are not part of the family, oh God, how I pray that today would be the day of salvation. The blind eyes would be open, that the ears would hear. And that deliverance would come to the captive and that freedom would come forth and that all heaven would celebrate because a sinner repented and turned to Christ and received this great gift of salvation. So Father, thank you. I pray God for the time that we have, God, to open up your word. Oh God, how I pray that we don't take it for granted, that we don't dismiss it, but God, that we would sit, and that we would open up, and that we would pay attention, and that we would hear, and that then we would do. Because you call us not just to be a hearer of the word, but to be a doer of it. So that God, your gospel will go forth to the ends of the earth until the day you return. And so Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have today. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, community. Two definitions I've been holding up. A group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. The second one is a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing a common, or common attitudes, interests, and goals. Go to Colossians chapter three. Scriptures that I've been holding up and hopes to encourage you in community. To desire community. To understand what it means to be in fellowship with the body of Christ. That we come together in order to honor Christ. It's all for Him. Remember, He is the center of the Christian community. We, He is the head. We are the many parts of the body, and we are to be fully functioning. We are to be healthy members of the body of Christ, because we're called to live in this new life. So go to Colossians chapter 3, is where I'm starting, verse 1 through 17. Since you have been raised to new life, highlight that, circle that. If you are in Christ, if you are a Christian, you are have been born again. You are living a new life now. The old has passed away. Behold, all things are new. And so with that understanding, since you have been raised to the to new life with who? Christ. <laughs> How are you to live? Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about things of heaven, not the things of the earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Just don't let those be words that you read on a page or that you hear from my mouth understand what the word of god is saying the word of god is an active is an active word it's alive this is unlike any other book these words are the words of god god inspired the man and the men who penned them but they are holy spirit inspired word of God, to reveal Christ to us. And as you read the Word of God, and as I've been praying through this week, and and just rejoicing in the fact that we have access to the Word of God, this Word not only testifies of Jesus from beginning to end, The good news that is found in Jesus, the Messiah, the one who has come to set the captives free, to reconcile the created back to the creator, not only does it testify of his goodness and of his love and of his his power, it also testifies of our wickedness. You really want to know really how you are, apart from Christ, read the word. You're wicked. You're in rebellion to your creator. You are the created. In your old nature, apart from Christ, you crave the created. You you are not seeking for the creator. <laughs> from the beginning to the end, the heart of mankind, the heart of the created man and woman is revealed. It is exposed in the word of God. And why do you, take, why do you think people resist the word? Why do you find it to be not a book that you're drawn to or hungry for? Your, your flesh would rather not hear or be exposed for what it is. And yet though it exposes our issue, the sin issue, the rebellion, it offers us the deliverer, the deliverance from it. That's why it's good news. But from the beginning, God created Adam and Eve. And they were in perfect union with God until the enemy came in and so deceived Eve and made Eve doubt what God said. And as soon as doubt set in, sin gave way. She bit in, she gave it to Adam, and he bit into it. And before you know it, what did they know? Something was wrong. Something was broken. The fellowship that they had with God was no longer. So they hid from God. We're no different today. In our sinful nature, we hide from God. We dismiss God as if he's not there. But God is with us. Always. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun. We can't escape his presence. He is with us. He is around us. And yet they hid from God. The two that had the most intimate relationship with God hid from the very one who created them. And what did God do? God said, where are you? He knew where they were. What was the purpose of him saying, where are you? For them to face the fact that they hid from him. He didn't hide from him. He didn't hide from them. They hid from him. And he called them out. And as he called it out, they received the punishment they deserved. But he also held out a promise. As he turned to the enemy and said, there will come one who will crush your head. And at that point, the Messiah, the, the Jesus himself was announced to all creation. That he would come and fix all of this. But yet, don't forget, even before the fall of Adam and Eve, the cross was already purposed before the earth was formed. Understand that. The, The sin of Adam and Eve did not take God by surprise. The cross was purposed. Love was to be displayed to all creation. And the love is displayed through Christ and Christ alone. And then we see as we're reading through the Old Testament, God sets a people apart for himself. But they don't love God. They went through the routines, but they didn't love him. In fact, if you look through the book of the prophets, especially in Isaiah, God tells through Isaiah the people that are gathering to worship him, that are spending hours in prayer and going through rituals. And Isaiah, God tells them, I'm not listening to you. Look what you're doing. You've made this about you. You forgot it's about me. I'm not even listening to you. I'm not even answering you. And yet they keep clamoring. They keep clamoring. They just keep doing their worship, doing their rituals, doing their prayers. And yet God isn't receiving it. He's looking at them going, what are you doing? Why are you there when it's about me? And so it is today. People come to church. What is your motive of coming to church? What is your reasoning for coming to church? If it's for you, you've come with the wrong heart attitude. No, the reason we gather, it is for God. You are to honor God. And yet people come and go up and down, left and right, all over. Well, if it's comfortable for me, I'll join. (laughs) When if it's my schedule, I'll do it. And we make it about us. Oh, I wish the worship was different. Oh, I wish the preaching was different. Oh, I wish that. Oh, I wish this. Or oh, I'm gonna go here. No, I'm gonna go there. And they're all everyone just scattered all over the place. <laughs> and would it be the people of God if we're calling ourselves Christians? And God is to be honored. God is to be honored. God is to be feared. God is to be reverent. God is God, He's holy. and then we see in the New Testament the church disbirth the outpouring of the Holy Spirit takes place and the apostle has to look at the church and say who's bewitched you? why are you following a different gospel? why are you trying to live out in the flesh what you received in the spirit? it can't be done it can't be done See, God has to remain God. He is holy, holy, holy. Remember, when I told you in the book, or when we read in the book of Isaiah, when Isaiah had the vision of the throne room of God, what was his response? I'm doomed. I'm doomed. I see my condition, and I am before a holy God, but God made provision for For him to be cleansed. And as soon as he was cleansed, what did he say? Here I am, Lord, send me. And as it it is with us, we see ourselves doomed. I'm a sinner. I'm in complete rebellion towards you. But through Jesus, (laughs) I'm cleansed. If I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that He rose from the dead, if that is our faith, if that is, our, is that our confession, then we are saved. And so though we don't keep living like one who doesn't know Jesus, because we're making a mockery of Him, we're, we're taking His blood and we're making it common as if it's nothing We're taking his broken body. Do you realize they beat him until you couldn't recognize him? They tore chunks of his flesh out. Because the religious people wanted to keep their rituals and not their Christ. But he did that. He endured it for you so that you would be delivered, so that you would know what it is to be restored back to your Creator and not long for the created. To live as a whole person, not a broken person, not longing for the things of this earth, but longing for the things of heaven. Because you've been born again. We're not to remain the same. Yet we know in Galatians it tells us the flesh and the spirit they war against each other. And that's why I always encourage you. What you feed breeds. What you starve dies. You feed your flesh, guess how you're going to live. I mean, we, we understand the kingdom principles. What you sow to, you reap. So why would you keep making decisions that are according to your flesh instead of making decisions according to the Spirit of God? Allowing Him to lead you. Because we have the victory, you all. If this Christian life cannot be lived, then Jesus is a liar. The Spirit of God is a liar. And who's going to say that to Him? But yet we've peddled out a gospel that makes people comfortable of just coming to church when it's convenient for them. Coming to Jesus in the presence of God and just be, it's about me. It's, it has to suit me. And that's not a Christian, you all. That's not a Christian. Do you know God? God. <laughs> Do you love God, the the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body, with all of your strength. Love the Lord your God. In and of yourself, you can't. But that's why you find hope in Scripture when it tells you He's given you everything you need to live a godly life. He's given you everything. He hasn't called you to something and has just left you to struggle. He has called you to freedom through his body that was broken, beaten, tattered, torn, drained of blood. He was buried, and then three days later, rose again, defeating sin and death. And the church should say, Amen! He won! We have the victory! We don't play games anymore. You get up and you start talking to yourself. You are dead. I'm dead to this old life. I'm not living in my emotions and my anger and and lust and all of this other junk. And when I see it in me, when I feel it rising up, no, I'm going to expose it for what it is. The Bible says to drag out the fruitless deeds of darkness and expose it to the light. Expose it to truth. But too many so-called Christians are living in shame. They're lost. <clears throat> or they're religious. And yet they're still lost, but yet they think they have it together. Do you realize? to you realize that each of us, at some point in our life, We will take our last breath. Your life is but a breath. Here today, gone tomorrow. This week, I have heard so many, and, and, and not only have heard verbally from people, but just seen different posts from people whose loved ones are, are going, are at their end. They're at their bedside. Death is all around us. And why we would choose to continue to feast off the created, off the flesh. See, when you realize something about the flesh, if there's nothing good in it. All it knows to do is to die. So it feeds off that which is dying. But the spirit? No. When you're born again, you're feeding off life. You're feeding off the Word. You're feeding off your fellowship with Christ. You're feeding off your fellowship with the Church. You are about your Father's business because you know this earth is not your home. There's a better day of coming, and we are preparing for the return of Jesus Christ to the earth. And yet, the majority of people in church—they're sleeping. They're the virgins whose lamps aren't filled. They're not ready. And I keep telling us, we can't keep doing church the way we've done church throughout the years. This is a whole new world. As of two, three, some odd years ago, when everything shifted in the spirit realm, and then began to impact the physical realm. There's an all-out war the stage is being set for the Antichrist to step out. Deception, the spirit of deception is running them up. It's at an all-time high. The spirit of the occult is rising up. And whenever you see, and I keep telling you all, whenever you see that rising up, all this false religion, perversion, the spirit of perversion rises up. From there, the spirit of rebellion just keeps rising. And that's why the Bible says in the last days, they're going to be worse than the days of Noah. People are going to be a lover of themselves. The love of many is going to go cold, cold, This is the world, and this is throughout the earth. This isn't just pockets. No, this is throughout the earth. But as Christians, we don't have to be afraid. When we see the signs, we should be motivated. (laughs) Oh God, (laughs) start here with me first. God, I, you've shown me what's happening. So God, prepare me to be able to stand in the midst of it. To declare the truth of Jesus. To love you with all of me and then to love others. Like God, I don't want it about me. I don't want to settle just for religion that's worthless. This is a battle for the souls of mankind for eternity. And yet people are sitting by deathbeds of loved ones. People are engaging with people who are dying and and, and they're calling themselves Christians. And yet they're not opening up their mouth to share the truth. (laughs) Because we all want to pretend everyone's going to heaven. We all want to pretend. Because we make it about us. Well, certainly that's what we want. So that must be what God has in mind. But he tells us that the road to heaven is very narrow. It's a narrow road. Not everyone is on it. Because they hate God. It's not God who's keeping people out of heaven. It's people who don't want heaven. Because they don't want God. And the gate to hell is wide. Many are on it. And how we think we can just keep showing up and showing up and showing up when it's convenient. I'll read and study and and I'll have fellowship and I'll have devotion when it's convenient for me. And that's not pleasing to God. You can read your Bible all day long when it's convenient to you. You can throw up a prayer here and there when it's convenient for you. You can do your little worship when it's convenient for you. You can post your little posts. But I want you to know, God's not listening. Because God is the same today as he was yesterday, as he will be tomorrow. And if he didn't listen to them then, he's not listening to us now. And he's not going to listen to us tomorrow when we make it about us. And lives are being devoured. We should care more about the eternity of others than their temporalness. And if you're calling yourself a Christian, by God, you ought to be growing, loving the Lord your God. We're so quick to offer people temporalness. I don't need you to sit by my bed when I'm dying. I need you to let me know hey, do you know Jesus? (laughs) Do you know Jesus? Do you love Jesus? (laughs) I don't need you to go through treatment with me and bring me flowers. I need you to love me enough to tell me the gospel. And you don't have to wait till someone is on their deathbed or got the got the the report from the doctor. Because guess what? If you haven't known, you're dying. Your death was already sealed when you took your first breath. Don't freak out when the doctor tells you. Freak out now because you're hearing it. You're dying every single one of us. And you say, well, "Where's the good news?" Because you don't you don't have to be bound to death or the fear of death. Because Jesus came. And we have the good news. We have the good news. And by God, it's time that this generation starts seeing Christians live as Christians. And if you're new to the faith, Keep maturing. If you're old in the faith, keep maturing. Keep growing. Start being a Christian, you all. And so when we understand community, when we look at Colossians 3, and he says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Because why? For you died to this life, and where is your real life? It is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, highlight that, circle that, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. Do you understand how exciting that is? Listen, from a young life, as a young boy, I was so afraid of death. Nights, I wouldn't sleep. I tossed and turned. And I began to have a hatred of God. I was mad at God. And so instead of turning to God, I ran from God. I saw all these other things out there to find purpose, to find meaning. As we all do. (laughs) But when my eyes were open, and I thought, why have I been fighting against you? You're my creator. You love me. And when I read, read, his word, that Jesus came... And set those free who had the fear of death. When I realized that the death has been defeated. That sin nature that leads to death has been defeated. Not through my good works. Not through my church attendance. Not through my tithing. But through Christ. Like, wait a minute, you did that for me? And so then... I don't have to be forced to go to church. I want to be in church. Because that's what he became. He established the church, the fellowship of his people, to have community with him and with each other, to be in relationship. To live. To encourage, to edify, and to build up. And you don't think the devil wants to devour that? Look around. People can't even sit in church. When it's convenient, I'll come on a Wednesday night because I like it better. But I ain't going to sit down on a Sunday. When it's convenient... When I feel like it, I'll do, I'll do, I'll do. Do we even really know Him? We're on our phones. We have our, our minds all over here when we're in the presence of God right now. And you're just giving yourself over, not to Christ, but to yourself and to the enemy. That wants nothing more than to destroy you and your family. And you don't know how to stand in Christ. We're warned constantly on how we are to be living. There is a standard raised, not by man, but by Christ. By Christ. I said, God, you're not a liar. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering, patience. And God, you say, that's what I have? I can look at my life and I don't see it, but God, if you say I have it, then work it in me. Whatever it takes, God. Take all the brokenness. Take every area that I'm not yielding to you and strip me, God. Remove those who need to be removed. Remove whatever else is in the way of hindering you working through me. Because I'm dead to this life and my real life is hidden with Christ. And if I went around the room and I said, what does that mean to you? Do you have an answer? You ought to. And if you don't, then by God, get discipled. Grow. Grow. Just because you show up when you want to show up, when you're in that casket, doesn't mean you're going up. The reality is, not everybody loves God. They're lovers of themselves. They just want a little religion. The devil don't mind you having religion. But start living for God, you all. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. So then with this knowledge, what do you do? Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. As a community, we come together. It's those definitions I've been holding up. Same purpose, same characteristics, same goals. So what do you do then with the truth that you're hearing? Put to death. Who puts to death? You put it to death. How do I put it to death? Through Christ. See, this is a life lived. You all would be shocked if you drug yourself up in here on a Sunday morning and I'm hung over from the bar from last night. And I still had the stench of the bar on me, on me. What would you do? You'd be like, and then I'm going to stand up here and preach God. Preach about Jesus. I'd be like, something's weird. I would hope you would. Like, it would be weird. The stench of your old life, I shouldn't smell. (laughs) Because you're dead to it. There's a new fragrance coming from your life. And it's the fragrance of Christ. It's the fragrance of Christ. And what I'm tired of is people who are just holding a form of it. And they don't even know about it because they don't know him. But I'm seeing what's happening out there. And we just want to make it about us. I say, God help us because listen, what are you to be doing? Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do. What does that just say? Have nothing to do. What did it say, Yvette? Have nothing, to do. Have nothing to do. With sexual morality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater. Worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Because of what? These sins. The anger of God. So this weird teaching that God's not angry. That God's not, there, no wrath is coming. Like everyone's on their way to heaven because of Jesus. They better read Colossians. <laughs> you understand, wrath is stored up. And it's about to be unleashed. On the wicked people of this earth who are in rebellion towards a holy God. Laugh at it, mock at it, dismiss it as they want, or maybe as you want. But trust me, when they are swallowed up in it, I've told you, I've told you, one of the hardest things to do is for me to sit down and think, dear God, there are going to be people in hell for all eternity with Jesus on their lips, but he was never in their heart. They're going to have a knowledge of God, and for eternity, they will have to spend for eternity. There's no other cross, there's no other way out. That's where they're at for eternity, because they chose to live for themselves. Have a little religion, have a little Jesus, and for eternity, separated from God, experiencing the wrath of God. But yet, why would you choose that when Jesus offers you life? That's why I keep saying to you, why would you trade his love for wrath? And so each day you get up and you make decisions. I'm choosing life. I'm choosing love. (laughs) I know it goes against what the world wants. I know it goes against what my flesh desires. I know it goes against what this realm that I cannot see would want me to have. But what I understand is that the word of God has been revealed to me. The truth of God has been revealed to me. God, my creator, who loves me with an intense love, gave himself for me that I might be restored to him so that I can live. So each day then, God, you've revealed yourself to me. I'm a new creation. I'm the work of your hands. You're not going to neglect me. So then how do I live? Put to death, Rob. When those desires come up, say no. Repent if you do wrong. Get up again and move another step forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. Do not depend on yourself to do it because I'm going to give you everything you need to do it. So you wake up not feeling like you're missing out. No, you woke up. I'm a whole person today. I can make decisions today that are based on life and love. And not this weird love that we peddle out there in this world. But true love. The love of God. No greater love than this. That a man will lay down his life. So I'm realizing, and you should be realizing, that as I'm getting up each day and going to this world, I need to think of others before I think of myself. And when I see myself, I need to see that it's ugly. I need to stop making excuses for it. Oh no, I see you. (laughs) But I'm putting you to death. And you say, well, how do I put it to death? Get in Christ. Because what is there is not in Christ. So that's why the Bible tells you, put on Christ. Throw off your old garments. Put on your new garments. If you were a liar once, start telling the truth. If you were a thief, work hard and give generously. Start living the opposite way that you were prone to. Bound by perversion, live a life of purity. In Christ, you all. In Christ. I can't fix myself. You can't fix yourself. But Christ can liberate you. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is bondage. That's not what Scripture says. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And if you're bound, oh, don't blame God. If your family's bound, don't blame God. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, we've got to clean our houses. Not just our physical house. You got to keep it clean. Put to death. Look at verse 7. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time. When? Now. When? Now. When is the time? Now. To get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed. You see, when you put on your new nature, when you do the steps that are right, when you think the thoughts that you ought to be thinking... You're renewed. Because remember what the Bible says? How does he transform us? By changing the way we think. The battlefield is here. You can get up. Man, I charge each of you. Go this week and make the right decisions. For a whole week, do what is right. And watch things begin to come forth from your life watch what begins to take place (laughs) put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know who your creator and become like him in this new life it doesn't matter if you are a jew a gentile circumcised uncircumcised barbaric, uncivilized, slaver-free, Christ is all that matters. And He lives in all of us. Again, this is written to the church, it's not written to the world, so when it says us, He's talking about the community of believers. (laughs) Since God, what? Chose you. See, y'all got to start reading Scripture and understanding Scripture. Do you ever just get up and hold your Bible up and just speak it? Listen to what it said. Since God chose you, God, you chose me. It's like, listen, you didn't choose God. God chose you. God chose you. And we do, we feel it comfortable just to spit in His face and kick Him aside because I just gotta go to the club or I just gotta have that. I just gotta. I just gotta be there. I just gotta feel something by laying down with this person i just got to keep doing and doing and doing and doing and doing. But I'll get back to you, Jesus. (laughs) No.
2: No, that's not how
0: it's supposed to be. Since God chose you to be what? The holy people he loves. Holy. If you don't know the definition of it, write it out. Set apart. set apart for Him. No longer for yourself. If you don't want God, then keep living for yourself. I'm not mad at you. I don't judge you. But stop playing games with God. You can sit here all day every time the door's open. Praise be to God that you're here. But understand this. I'm not fooled. I mean, the reality is people who are sitting in church, not everyone is saved. We're told that the wheat and the tares are going to grow together. God chose you as to be the holy people. And I love this. He loves. You must circle that word. You don't have a choice. If I feel holy today, God, I will. God, I sinned. I I did wrong yesterday. I I just I can't be in your presence today. And so, what do we do? We just then make wrong decisions. We make another wrong decision. Oh, I'm just a horrible Christian, God. I, I just can't do it, God. I just don't sense your love. How could you love someone like me, God? And look, we're making it all about us. But if you would just stop and look up, oh God, you're holy, I'm doomed. But praise be to God through Jesus Christ, God, you cleansed me. And I can get up from this weird game I'm playing with myself. And I can live a life in Christ because you chose me, you love me. You've given me your Holy Spirit like I have the power within me, God in me to do what you've called me to? You must clothe yourself with tender hearted mercy. Are you doing that? Kindness, humility, gentleness, huh, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, above all, clothe yourself with what? Love. See, love wins you all. (laughs) Which builds us all together in what? Perfect harmony. And that the peace, Jesus, that comes from doing good, That's not what scripture says. And that the peace that comes from church, it's not what it says. And that the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, oh dear Lord, did you hear that? For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Did you wake up today thankful? I've challenged you all before. If you're, if you, if you're not thankful, if you don't have a, a heart that, that's grateful, like, start a journal for this next week. And each day, Before you close your eyes, no matter how bad your day was or or how how much sin you run amok with. (laughs) Look out for five things, different things each day that you're grateful for. And watch how it transforms your life. Why does the lost understand the kingdom principles better than the church? It blows my mind. I was lost. I ran amok. I did some weird rituals and things and this and that. But then when I realized this is a really, this is of lesser power. I may have been reaping things. But I didn't reap the ultimate gift. Which is the greater power found in God through Jesus Christ. And that's what I keep telling you. All these weird religions out there, and they are weird. All of these false religions out there, they all have this. It's just twisted. It's just twisted. That should open your eyes that it's a spiritual war. You know, we were out yesterday and we were talking about, you know, how, how the, the Muslim nations, they are the most hospitable people. They understand hospitality. And we can be enthralled with that. Oh, that's so... uh, But they will kill you in a heartbeat. They will slit your throat in a heartbeat. But yet, they are reaping kingdom principles, rewards, because they put things in practice. The same with any other false religion out there. You sow, it's a kingdom principle. What you sow to, you reap. I know all these other religions like to call it karma, but it's biblical based. It rains on the just and the unjust. There's a lot of people living out kingdom principles and they don't know the king. They don't want the king. And so we've got to wake up to this understanding I mean, God is good, you all. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. That should be your life. Because if you're grumbling, if you're fault-finding, if everything is doom and gloom, then what Jesus are you serving I go to church. What is it doing for you? Because that's all it is. It's church. And church isn't changing you. Jesus changes you. Stop with all the foolishness and the folly. And live a Christian life. Let the message... Listen to this. Verse 16. Let the message about Christ... In all of His richness, fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom He gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do, and whatever you do, and whatever you do, or say, or say, or say, do it. As a representative of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do, whatever you say, you're representing Jesus in that moment. And you can't represent him if you don't know him. You don't want to be caught making, making a mockery of him. You don't want to be a stumbling block for people. It's best that you don't say you're a Christian. I go to church because, you know, I feel like I, I, I want to I know this God, but I'm not going to claim that I'm a part of Him and belong to Him, and I know that I'm not. But I am welcome to come and to sit among His people and hear. I mean, I told you, when I first became a Christian, I didn't have a church around me. (laughs) My friends, they thought I lost my mind. I was changing. Things weren't the same any longer. And things that I kept trying to, to fit in my life, it just didn't feel right. I remember the first night, I know it sounds weird, But I didn't have a church around me. But I remember the first night when I got back to Orlando. And I went to the club. (laughs) As a Christian. And my favorite bartender saw me come in and begin to lay the shots down for me.
2: I said, oh. Oh no.
0: (laughs) I said, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to pay for them, but give them to others. Because I can't do it anymore. And then I remember looking around going... Here, like it doesn't feel right. I wasn't better than anyone that was there, but there was something in me that was just like, This is what what, this was my norm. (laughs) But something is different, like, something is different. Like, the Holy Spirit was working, and for a while, I kept trying to fit it in. But it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. And why? Because your life is not there any longer. You can keep trying to go back to your old life. Back to your old thoughts. Back to your old desires. You can try your hardest. But if you're truly a Christian... It's not going to stick. If your old life is still sticking and you're still living it out and the only time you feel guilty is if you come to church or if you're just sitting there, oh, I feel guilty, but there's no repentance. You just feel guilt. You're not a Christian. So receive Christ. Finally, I found a church home and, and I go there and then when I met with the pastor, no, you, you don't belong here. You're not welcomed here. Do you know what that does to someone? Do you know what it does to go to the next church and then be told you're not welcomed because you're going to be the tool of the enemy and you're going to pervert all the men in the church? Well, dear God, I didn't get up with that fault. But really, that's who I'm going to end up being? Like you understand what that does to someone whose life has been totally altered. And so, when I share that with you, that's why when I say things, it's not that I don't understand maybe what you're going through. But what I'm telling you is, if God has begun something in you, God will finish it. Put your faith and your hope in God, in Christ Jesus, to bring it out of you. Church isn't going to change you if your motives of coming to church is for yourself. It's only Christ that will transform your life, that would make the most angry, vile person a person of peace, a person of hope, a person of life. This is the God in whom, if you're a Christian, you say you're serving. I'm a Christian. I'm a representative of the Lord Jesus. And it doesn't matter what you think of him or think of me. It doesn't matter that you beat me, drag me in the streets, mutilate my body, torment me, you can't touch my soul. Did you wake up with that confidence today? Because maybe you won't be dragged through the street physically, but there's a realm up here that's out to reap destruction for your life. And did you get up today announcing you belong to Christ? Did you tell that old flesh, listen, We're submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ today. And we will resist the enemy. And he has to flee. He's not running amok. And though yet he may conjure up a weapon against me, it will not prosper against me or my family. Or did you just get up out of bed grumbling and just drag yourself up into church? Did you even get thought to who you are in Christ this week, today? Because that's how you should be living. And trust me, it's work. You must. You want, to, you want to go through this week? Read the New Testament, especially the letters to the churches. And highlight must, you must, you must, you must. Not again that you do it in yourself. <laughs> but through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the finished work of Christ, I can because he says I can through him. So no, no. I'm not going to live defeated. I don't care about the report from the doctor. I don't care about the circumstances that are going on around. Only thing I know is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He rose from the dead. He is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God in this place of authority, and he's returning for me. Until then, I'm to be about my father's business. Representing Christ. And some of our lives, we represent Christ in the tomb. Some of our lives, we represent Christ on the cross. Some of our lives represent just Christ in the manger. And listen... If that is where he's at, he's no Christ. <laughs> it's the resurrected Christ that changed everything, you all. On that third day, well, it's nice to celebrate Easter, but Easter should be celebrated every day. It's the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Every day. Every single Day of your life. Because that's the hope. So what Scripture testifies the resurrected one. Go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 through 3. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You're not that important. That's scripture. That's scripture. Share each other's burdens. Don't think you're you're more important than the other or you're better than someone else. You're not that important and you're not that better. Keep yourself humble. That's why we have a community. That's why we have the church. That's why we have the family. We're doing this together. I've shared with you over and over and over. There is nothing you will come here and tell me or tell anyone else that this is what I'm stuck in. This is what I'm going through that's going to shock us. Nothing. Nothing. Be transparent. First before God and then before man. Your little secrets that you want to hide? Why? They're keeping you enslaved. When you find the freedom by taking the thoughts and throwing them out there in the light. When you know you're in a place of of safety, and you say, Well, if I if I say this and one of someone reacts wrong, who cares? Again, I'm looking at a pastor and he's telling me he gets up and he has that disgusted look on his face. Leave. You're not welcomed here. Puts his hands on his desk and say, you are the devil. You'll come here and you'll pervert the men of the church. You know how shattered I was? Like, what the heck? If I would allowed his words to be what consumed me, I surely wouldn't be here today. I would have been back in the club with no problem. But the pastor didn't save me. What everyone wanted to say about me and still says about me to this day, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. Because I'm secured in Christ. I'm secured in Christ. <clears throat> and so we can share each other's burdens. We can come and, and we can expose things that are happening. And we can say, listen, this isn't who I am anymore. But man, I need I need community around me. I need to be encouraged and edify and built up in this area. Because ultimately I'm trusting in God. I'm not trusting in you to fix it. But I'm trusting in God to transform me. But I see that we're part of this family and this community that we're called to share each other's burdens. Not just to take and 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 to 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 drain the body of Christ. Some churches need to tell people no. Some churches need to tell people get out until you can respect the authority of Christ over us. There is a way to discipline in the church. It's very biblical to put people out, but not in a harsh way that in a way they don't know that they can return. I've had to put many different people out. <laughs> but I praise be to God that they're back. <laughs> Some haven't come back. But you have to be honest with each other. No, you're just playing around. You're just playing games. You just want the church to chase you. Come to church. Oh, what's wrong? You want us to be in bondage with you. We're not going to be in bondage with people. I've told you before, we will walk through the valley with you, but we're not taking up a camp. Don't expect me to sit there with you because I'm not expecting you to sit with me. We need to link arms and say, yep, okay, Christ has us. The Spirit of God is in us. Let's move forward. Let's take ground. Let's see our lives change for the better. For the glory of God. And the progression is forward. That's why. Listen. I could be doing something different Sunday mornings. And sometimes the disrespect I see go on in here, I go, what the heck is this, Lord? Sometimes sometimes on Sundays, I have to sit down at night in my room and go, God, I'd rather slam the door shut. People in and out, in and out, in and out, up and down, left and right, all over here, on the phone, this, that, all over the place. I'm like, what the heck is going on? You think I'm up here just for what? To do what? If you're sick, you can't, or, or you're helping with food downstairs, then stay downstairs. But if you're just downstairs because that's what's comfortable for you, something is wrong. That's a disrespect. If you're up and down, left and right, that something is wrong. We're here for God. I said, What is this, God? What is this? I mean, there's things I could be doing. You and I could be doing something totally different with our lives. God called us to model the 24-7. If you've never seen the sign, that's why that sign is there. When the church was birthed, I said, we're a different church. We're unlike any others. We're 24-7. We don't turn it off and turn it on. Turn it off and turn it on. Turn it off and turn it on. I can do something totally different on my Wednesday nights. I can do something totally different on my Friday nights. I can sit down and enjoy the Word of God by myself. Or maybe with a few, two, two different, three different people, maybe. See, God's supposed to be our reason. And that's why I get back up. That's why he encourages me. I'm not going to remain discouraged as I did for many years. I said, no, God. But Lord Jesus, what a mess. And then not just here, but just dealing with Christians. How many Christians I talk to. And the chaos that's going on in their fellowship. And you could just look out and see where the church, not all of them, not all of them, but things are crumbling all around. Main denominations are crumbling. The church, the church, she's the bride of Christ. She's not to be a schizophrenic bride. She's a bride without spot and blemish. So we have got to get up, y'all. We have got to know the God. That's why we started the Friday night studies. And I know you can't be here every time things open or there's an opportunity. Okay, fine, I get that. But who's discipling you? How are you growing? How are you growing? How are you being discipled? God, there should be a hunger in you. Okay, can, can I come over on Monday night? And if I can't sit down with you, I'll find someone that will sit down with you. Rather, they're of this fellowship or another one that I trust. Because it's not about me. It's not about, oh, this is what Rob says, what Rob teaches, what Rob, Rob, what does Rob say? No, keep my mouth, keep my name out your mouth. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. If you made it about me, you're a fool. And you probably aren't growing. <laughs> you make it about Jesus. Iron sharpens iron. Rob, if I can't meet up with you, I need to meet up with someone. I got work, I got this, I got that, but I want Jesus. Help me to structure. I need structure in my Christian walk. I need to be able to live. I need to know that I know that I know that I know. I told you that that Jewish proverb when the disciple comes to the rabbi. I want to know God. I want to know God. I want to know God. And the rabbi takes the disciple they were by the river. He held the disciple down into the river, drowning him. And just at the point of life leaving his body, the rabbi pulls up the disciple and says, What was your first thought? I just want it there. The rabbi throws him aside and says, Come back when God is your first thought. See, listen, you all. That's the Christian life. Jesus and nothing else but Jesus. This is the hope that we have for a dying world. It's chaos. But yet, in the midst of it, we can walk upright and have peace. Doesn't mean you won't endure. Doesn't mean that you won't have troubles. Doesn't mean that all hell will not come at you with everything and anything. But what it does mean is when all of chaos and all of life hits you, you can stand. And you can stand not in your assurance, but the assurance of the assurance of Christ who says, because you have the Holy Spirit, you are sealed until the day of redemption. Nothing, nothing is going to take that from you. You're mine. You're mine. You're going through it and you're a Christian, then let that be an encouragement for you. And if you're not, then what's keeping you from Christ? Go to James chapter 5, verse 16. James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And that's just not a physical healing. That's a healing of the mind. (laughs) Of emotions, about everything. Could you imagine if the world outside <coughs> looked at the church and said, What is different? And a lot of that is taking place. But oh how I pray that'll it wake up in the church in the West. I mean, I'm telling you, when I when I post the, the testimonies of what our brothers and sisters are enduring, what our brothers and sisters are now enduring in Canada, yes. right above us, they're being arrested. The kids are being removed from their homes. Like, this isn't a game, you all. This is the reality of how the earth has shifted, preparing for the great evil that's coming. And as the earth is preparing for that, the church is preparing for the great king to come. It's in two different mindsets. Let them prepare all they want for the greatest evil to hit this earth. But that's not what I'm preparing for. My king is coming. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. And by God, I can celebrate it because I'm waiting for it. My lamp is filled and I'm rejoicing each day. Even in the midst of chaos that's going on all around me. And the pressures of life that I have to deal with every single day. In this world, Rob, when's the last time you pulled yourself in the mirror and told yourself this? The other day at work, it was crazy. Lord, I had to step out of the meeting and step into the bathroom.
1: And look at myself
0: in the mirror and say, in this world, Rob, you will have trouble. (laughs) But big guy, be a good cheer. Because Jesus has already overcame the world. Now pull yourself together and lead these people. Okay, Lord. Not by my might. Not by my power. As I'm opening up the bathroom door. But by the spirit of the living God in me. I mean, do y'all understand? The enemy, the flesh, and the world system has worked overtime to keep people ignorant of the God in whom they say they represent. I mean, it's going to get harder for Christians, you all. If you haven't posted what Yvette shared with me and that I posted for us, if you haven't listened to how to prepare for persecution, it's on our webpage, Facebook page. Listen to it. 10, 15 minutes long, 20 maybe the max. I mean, do you understand? There's going to come a time where you're going to be released from your job. Not because you're loud and Bible-thumping people. It's just that decisions are going to start being made that you're going to be like, yep, yeah, that's not working for me. It's just that others are going to know that you're one of those people. You're a troublemaker because you don't agree with me. Do you understand? Do you understand banking institutions which prominent Christian pastors in Canada have been stripped? They can't even get a bank account anymore. A credit card anymore they are cutting off all access to funds why because they stood up and they say no this goes against the law of God like and you say well that's the pastor no don't wait for the pastor to stand you stand do you understand? Families are going to not want to be around you. Family members are going to dismiss you. And Jesus tells us that. He says, Jesus says, do you think I've come to bring peace? Oh, oh no. Divide. This is division. Those who are with me and those who are on the other side. Family members return against family members because of Jesus. You'll lose your job because of Jesus. For God's sakes, if the laws pass that are on the way passing, my testimony alone, Norman's testimony alone, we could be put in jail. Prison is what's happening to other people who have testimonies like ours in England, in Australia, in Canada. I mean, do you understand the cost? Remember, Jesus says, it's going to cost you something. And that's what I love about Jesus. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He says, listen, before you come and follow me, consider the cost. Consider the cost. It's going to cost you everything. So this weird gospel that we pedal out here. Say a prayer. 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 Poof, 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 poof. You're a Christian. 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 Log the numbers, Kerry. Log the numbers. You got all these done. Look, poof, poof, Christian. Everyone's a Christian. And people are going to hell, and yet they got their name in the book at the church, but not the book in heaven. What kind of hell are we doing? What kind of craziness are we doing? Heaven's not rejoicing. I say the prayer. I say the prayer. I said the prayer. I said the prayer. Heaven's rejoicing when that drug addict is in the streets, taking their last breath. I said, "Father, Jesus, save me." Heaven rejoices when the prostitute is beaten, beaten up and raped and left in the hotel to die. Heaven rejoices when she calls upon Jesus and is saved. Transformed lives. Transformed lives. True salvation. There's a life that is transformed. That's not man's standard. That's the word of God. And yet, the enemy has kicked in the door of the church and said, You will welcome me. Listen, sinners are more than happy to come and to sit and hear and respond when they are ready. No one should ever be pressured. When you're ready, oh you'll know. You all out, you all should be out there talking to sinners as much as you're talking to other believers. And you should be inviting them. Come here. About the living God. The true God that has changed my life. I once was, but now I am. Here's the hope that can be offered to you. I will never go poof, 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 poof. You're a Christian, you're a Christian, you're a Christian, you're a Christian. (laughs) Nor do I think everyone sitting among us is a Christian how I pray that those who aren't would come with a sincere heart to Jesus and say, I believe by faith and with a confession that you are the Son of God and that you rose from the grave. I'm ready, Lord. I've considered the cost whatever it takes. Here I am, Lord. That's beautiful, you all. That's beautiful. Confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. Go to Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Do you understand how important it is to have friends who are godly? Who are Christians? I'm not expecting you all to live a perfect life, nor should you expect that of me. But what the expectation is, is that you're living a maturing life. That you are growing. That you are maturing. That's what it's about. It's iron sharpening iron. It's I'm there for you as much as you're there for me. It's just not I'm here and I'm going to take everything from you. I want to drain you of your energy and of your time. No, it's iron sharpening iron. I'm there for you. I'm there for you. I'm there for you. I'm there for you too. (laughs) We got each other's back. We're linking arms. We're cleaning up. We're saying no more. Because we know what love is. Because we know who love is. The greatest love of all you all. Jesus. This is what it's all about. Jesus. And if we make it about something else, then we've stripped him of who he is. And I don't want you to forget that phrase that I said, the earth is preparing for the greatest evil to take the stage. (laughs) The church is preparing for her bridegroom. It's a whole different way to think. You can be evil all you want. You can pretend you're holy and everything else and... Do whatever. (laughs) But hear the word of the Lord. He doesn't receive it. He doesn't receive it. You want worship. You want your worship. You want your, your prayers. You want your whole being to be received. Because he's leading you daily. See, you're in his presence. You can't escape him. But one day you're going to face him, the author, the finisher of your faith. And what is he going to say when he sees you? Well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into my rest. Don't live in a weird reality that you think that is your truth when it's not. See, when people who live in that reality and it's not their truth, they have no fear of God because they've conjured up something that is not real. But you can have the assurance, not again because of you, but because of all that He has promised. That is what you would hear because you're you're a different person. Your life has changed. And it's not because of you. It's because there was a day, there was an hour, there was a moment in time when you saw yourself doomed and you needed a Savior. And God was pleased to reveal Himself to you and say, Come, child, come. And you responded with faith and a confession. And your life was forever changed. You don't have to have a sordid past. You don't have to be as bad as I was or anyone else. You can just sit in church your whole life. Right, Carrie? That's right. And when someone looks at you and says, How do you know, you're saved? How do you know you're saved, Carrie? How can
2: I know?
0: And that's what she looked at me years ago and says, Well, how can I not be? I've been in church my whole life. I've done this, 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 that, and this, and that, and every which way, every which will. But yet she was bound by alcohol, pornography, and everything else. Running amok. Teaching children. Teaching the church. Running amok. Many years. She laid out her resume to me that night, and I looked at her and I said, but where's Jesus? You see, I had to love her enough, because no one else apparently hasn't. In church all those years, and no one stopped her, got in her way, and said, What are you doing? I had to love her enough to look at her and say, Where is Jesus? And it forever changed her life. Was she perfect in that moment? No, none of us are. But she's matured. This is what we're talking about. You don't have to have all this. The reality is that each of us have to come to a place where we see ourselves doomed. We are the created. We're in rebellion towards our creator. But our creator loves us enough to say, I've made a way for you to be restored to me. And it's through my son. Don't make a mockery of him. Receive him receive him and that's what it means you all that's what it means now we're not going to go through this old testament the new psalm and proverbs today we'll pick back up next sunday but i'm going to give you some scriptures highlight them now write them down i'm thinking maybe one i don't know when but we're going to do a good lesson one time where we're learning the books of the bible Everyone can kind of feel comfortable getting through the Bible. you got to understand how to use your sword. So I'm, I'm working on figuring out how we're going to do that. But I'm going to move through these scriptures kind of quickly. But these are scriptures that give you the understanding that you are called to share your faith. If you're saying you're a Christian, you have a responsibility that has been given to you by Almighty God. Again, did you hear The scripture before it says you're to be a representative of the Lord Jesus. You are to be living your life in such a way that honors the king and his kingdom. And you are to be sharing your faith. I understand. It's it's, it's timid. You're like, oh, this feels uneasy. This feels weird. What are they going to say? I'm not telling you to go out there and hit people over the head with the Bible or scream at them in their face, tell them they're going to hell. I'm saying live your life before people. Engage with people. Build relationship. Get to know them first. Stop pushing your faith on them right away. Get to know them. Build relationship. And as time begins to present itself, share your faith. Don't hide your faith as you're building that relationship. They should know right away, oh, you're a Christian. And so as the door opens, you just begin to Share. You can have spiritual conversations with people. You can hear all about what they believe and not look at them with a a judgmental face. Hear them out. They have every right to live how they want to live. But just as much as they have a right, you have a right. And when you have an opportunity to step in to, to a situation in their life, and they want to hear counsel from you, please don't hide Jesus from them. Please don't, don't neglect what they need. Hearing the truth of Jesus. You ought to be actively sharing your faith, living it out. Oh, but I'm praying for them, no. No. Prayer is good and you should be. But if that's all you're doing, ha, 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 ha. Lord, send laborers along their path. Lord, deliver them. Lord, open up their eyes. And Lord says, I have, I put you right before them. We, We want to throw it back to him. But do you realize that's why you're there? That's why you're with them. And so if you actively are not engaging and sharing your faith, you know, years ago I was invited by a couple churches to come and hold these evangelism seminars. Teaching out of a book. Teaching the steps. I don't have a problem with that. But listen, I don't need to teach you. You should already have a desire. And no 12 steps I'm going to give you is going to cultivate a desire. If you don't have a desire of evangelism, this is what I told that pastor that I'm going to say the first night. And then he told me, no, I don't want you to leave the class. (laughs) I said, if you don't have a desire for evangelism, then the first step is get on your face and repent. Get right with God. Then we can build off that. But if you're expecting me just to get up and to walk through steps with people, no. No. See, every believer, every believer should be evangelizing, should be sharing your faith. You don't have to be taught that. No one had to teach me. No one has to teach you. Because when your life is changed, when you've been born again, do you know what birth does? The baby comes out. You know what that baby goes through to get out into this earth? When you're born again of a new nature... This is the description the Bible uses. This is what happens to the life of a believer. Not a religious person who just holds a form of religion, but denies the power of God, but one who has been born again. They walk around brand new, like something's odd, something doesn't, this is weird. And people begin to notice. You really don't have to say much first. Because people are going to ask you, what's wrong with you? What do you mean you're not coming to the club? What do you mean you're not carrying on anymore? What do you mean you're not acting like this? Oh, I know you. I know. Wait a minute. What's different? What, what's going on here? I don't have to teach you. What are you going to tell them? Jesus. I've given my life to Jesus. He's changed my life. And I'm in a process of growing. I don't know everything. I don't have all the answers. But one thing I do know is I was once dead. <laughs> but praise be to God, I'm alive! <laughs> and they will look at you like you're crazy. But it's okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get I'm gonna get done today. I've got a lot pent up in me over this week. I remember our friend Naomi. <laughs> when I first gave my life to Christ, she was one of my best friends. Oh my God, I did so much with her, and she didn't thought I lost my mind. What is wrong with you? Then she invited me to her house party, housewarming party with her and her boyfriend. So I went, but I'm looking around at all these people. I'm not drinking anymore. I'm not smoking anymore. I'm not doing drugs anymore. I'm not shacking up in the bedroom with whoever and anyone that wants to come in. I wasn't doing that anymore. But I was there. Okay, Naomi, you want me to come? I'll come. And I remember she came over to me, got me in the corner, and she just went off on me. Oh, you're so righteous now. You're better than all of us. <laughs> and i let her spew, her filth. And I said, Naomi, I'm sorry you feel that way. And if, one, if, at, if at one time tonight I have exhibited that as, a, in my, as my character, then I'm sorry. That's not what I meant. But no, I don't want to drink anymore. No, I'm not going to do the drugs anymore. And I don't care who you put in that bedroom for me. No, Naomi, I'm not doing it. I'll leave. I want to respect you enough that if I'm making you uncomfortable I'll leave. So I left. And it was weeks later I get a phone call. I need you to pray to your God. Okay Naomi, what's going on? I had a good friend who was in a major car accident. I said, Naomi I'll pray for him. No, I want you to come to the hospital. I want you to bring you and that God of yours to the hospital. I said, okay, Naomi. I'll go to the hospital. Doctor says there's no report of this guy recovering. But I prayed to my God for life to be restored. Four hours or so later, she calls me. His life was restored. She was elated. Do you mind if I call you so you can pray to your God? Would I need that in my life? Naomi, okay, whatever. That's fine. You see, she wasn't ready for me to tell her to pray a prayer, to beat her down with the Bible. What she was beginning to see was that this guy that she loved, this guy who was like her brother... Did everything together. He was something was different about him. And then one night she shows up in our Friday night prayer group in the old house. And I don't know if it's her cousin or niece or who she brings that was strung out on drugs. But we always finished in the evening and we went around in circle holding hands. Everyone had a chance to pray. And as it was going around. Oh well, let me back up. She would come in on Friday nights with a couple nights that she came. She would say, "Listen, I ain't got all night to sit here for you to preach. I can't be here all these hours. I got to get to the club." It's all right, Naomi. All right, Naomi. That night, there she was. Everyone's going around in the circle. I said, "Lord Jesus is coming to Naomi," and I begin to pray as I had been praying for her. God, I love her. And then the room was still and all of a sudden this innocent prayer <laughs> came from a tattered, torn, broken woman. I don't know you, Lord. I don't know you, Jesus. And I don't remember what she prayed and word by word but it was basically like but okay. And then I didn't hear from her for quite some time. And then finally years later when I heard of her, she was married to a priest in Maria. Which if you don't know what Santeria is, it's one of the, the most stronghold, demonic, I mean, Jesus, it's pure hell. And I said, Jesus, What? What happened? He wasn't done. And then one night, I'm at my nephew's game. I'm with my friend Tida. Tida takes a phone call. She comes running back. She goes, you're not going to believe it. I said, Tida, what's going on? Naomi's a Christian. And not only is she a Christian, her husband's a Christian. (laughs) And I watched Naomi grow into this incredible woman of God until her last breath on this earth. You see, you can't make up that story. You can't make it up. She left this earth secured in the God who heard her pray a prayer so simple And she responded, no matter how much hell came for her to keep her locked down, Jesus kicked down the doors and the walls and says, no, she's mine. And not only she, but I've taken him, this high priest in which you created. No, no, no. I've got something better for him. And I'm telling you all, you can't make it up. So, when I tell you to share your faith, do you understand the impact that it can have on lives? Do you understand your children's, your grandchildren's, your brothers, your sisters, your family, your friends, your co workers, people in the community? They need Jesus. Matthew 28. Going through these quick and then I'm praying and closing us for the day. Matthew twenty eight verse eighteen through twenty. You'll get these scriptures from Carrie in the notes. You get them posted on Facebook and you get them emailed to you. So I would encourage you to go back. And if you want to sit down and talk with me about sharing your faith and living out the Christian life and be discipled, go and then and reach out. But Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given you all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach those these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Great Commission, not only for them, but for us and for God's people until he returns. Go to 2 Timothy, chapter 1. 2 Timothy, chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, and don't be ashamed of me either, even though I am in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. So what do you take from there? Do not be ashamed. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live. Because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Be prepared to answer. Go to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. Verse 5 through 6. Live wisely among those who do not believe and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. So, there, the lesson there, make the most of every opportunity. John 15, verse 16. John 15, verse 16. Here we go. You didn't choose me. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. I chose you. This is Jesus. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. That was John 15, verse 16. You have been appointed to share your faith. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 through 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, patience, I'm sorry. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Amen. Lesson from there. Pray for the fruit of the Spirit as you are sharing your faith. Go to back to 2 Timothy four, two. chapter 4. The Bible drill days carry coming up for you. I, I, I have a trophy.
1: Chapter 4,
0: <laughs> verse 2. Again, this is as a Christian how you're to be living. Preach the word of God Be prepared Whether the time is favorable or not Patiently correct, rebuke And encourage your people With good teaching Be prepared in all seasons And remember This is written to the church Don't leave it for pastors Or these people that you think Are super Christians Let them do all the work No, no, no You're called You're called I'm not around all the people that you're around. But you are. You should be imitating Christ. Be an ambassador. Enjoy being a Christian, you all. This weirdness that people just live this humdrum life as a Christian, what kind of craziness is that? We have life. We have the fullness of life. What are we doing? If we're not enjoying that. Like everything of the kingdom of God is at your disposal. You have all authority and power. Stop living a weak-willed, defeated life. Cursing what God has blessed. Getting up every day. Announcing things over your kids, over your family, over your job, over everything. Just blah. Stop cursing and start blessing Start speaking for life. We got to stop just allowing kids just to know church. They got to know Christ. They, ha- they have to understand so they can come to an age where they will see themselves as doomed and say, I need Jesus. Jesus transformed my life. <laughs> it's a way in which we're called to live. Go to Matthew. Chapter five,
2: Matthew Chapter Five.
0: Matthew Chapter Five, Verse Sixteen. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. So that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father, not you, but Him. So let your light shine, you all. Go to Psalm 96. Psalm 96. <clears throat> Psalm 96, verse 2 through 4. Sing to the Lord. Praise His name. Each day, each day, proclaim the good news that He saves. Publish His glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things that He does. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared Above all gods. So proclaim the name of the Lord. Scriptures. I hope to encourage you to share your faith. Two more. Second Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Listen to this. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. God calls us as his ambassadors. And then finally, Romans 6, verse 23. And if you share your faith, this is where you need to point, people. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life. Life, you all, truly living. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Sin equals death. Christ equals life, you all. That's where we're ending. We'll pick up with the Heidelberg Catechism next week. We'll pick up with the rest of the scriptures. But listen, you all, I've been praying for all of us this week, and I'm just I want to encourage you. Like, Listen, don't let all of what has been said fall upon deaf ears. You could be sitting here today, saved or unsaved, but you've heard truth. <clears throat> Not Rob's truth. You heard truth from the word of God. How do you respond to it? It Really reveals who you are. You're either still in bondage and in rebellion. Or you're submitted and humbled. But oh how I pray that you're saved. Submitted and humbled to Christ. Again, not living a perfect life, but a maturing life. And if you're not saved, and the reality is that you know you're not, like, no, I cannot say with the assurance that I am, Then before you head downstairs today, would you just take a moment in the presence of God and let the Holy Spirit minister to you And if you don't want to respond, that's your choice. But if you do respond, then allow him to come in and be reborn into a new creation, to one who belongs to Jesus. And then take the steps to be baptized. And if you're a Christian and you still haven't been baptized, I don't know what that's about. Because you are to be in obedience to the Word of God to be baptized. So, you ought to be baptized. And then from there, get discipled. If you're not actively involved, engaging with other Christians and being discipled, something is wrong with your Christianity. Something is seriously wrong with your Christianity. And I would even go so far as I wouldn't even possibly claim you to be part of the family. Because that's not what Christians do. Christians don't isolate themselves and try to do this on their own. Because that's not biblical. That's not biblical. See, we're to be people that are biblical... We're to be representatives of Christ, his word, his truth, empowered by his Holy Spirit to go out into a dying world and proclaim life. Life and life in the abundance because we understand that it's the enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But my God, Jesus came to give life and life in abundance and for that we ought to be grateful i'm gonna play this last song of worship and then i'll close us in prayer